Cape Talk. The book review. The latest, the third in the Inspector Servas series from the French thriller writer Bernard Minier, who's also in publishing. And Servas um, works out of Toulouse, and he is a, a solitary and troubled character. Well, he has to be. He's a lead character in a thriller. And he loves Marla, and his first two books were f- spent trying to, to fight the mad sort of Hannibal Lecter-type psychiatrist Hurtman, who escaped at the second end of the second book and is somewhere now in the wilderness. And Servas was so broken by that whole experience that he is in a home for convalescent cops. He's there with alcoholics and drug addicts and he's too depressed to work. And the novel essentially starts when Christine Steinmeier, who's the breakfast show host for the most successful radio program in the Toulouse region, the southwest of France, she goes to work having found a suicide note in her milk box on Christmas Eve. And the note says, I'm going to commit suicide. And she doesn't know what to do about it. She discusses with her boyfriend. He says, let's do nothing. And she goes on air the next morning. And somebody phones in and says, you let her die. Why did you let her die? Why did you do nothing to save her? And then it becomes clear that her life is being invaded in the most manipulatively horrible way. By whom? We don't know. For what reason? We begin to suspect because Servas, in this convalescent home for depressed and damaged policemen, gets a key to a hotel room. And he finds out that in that hotel room a year ago, an artist committed suicide in the most terrible way. He calls up a mate of his and he says, was it suicide? Yes, absolutely, definitely. And he begins to suspect that there is a terrible psychotic out there who is invading women's lives to the point where they feel the only route out for them is to commit suicide, that he is literally driving women to kill themselves. So you've got these two twin tracks. You've got Christine Steinmeier going through her hell and deciding to fight back, and you wonder whether that fight back will be successful. And there is Renard, uh, Servas at least, getting back his investigative investigative instincts and energy, and he is trying to track down the man who is behind this. And there are plenty of red herrings, and they're very, very convincing red herrings before a truly shocking finale. I like them very much. The Bernard Minier Sevas series. The latest is called Don't Turn Out the Lights, or You Won't See Who's Coming. Anne Patchett has her seventh book out in the marketplace at the moment. It is called Commonwealth, and it is brilliant. It is a domestic drama, if you like, but a domestic drama with so much in the way of wider ramifications. Commonwealth, just the title of it. She's an American author, and she sets her book in America. But that notion of commonwealth is a very loaded notion in in America. And it's, you know, it's not a, a full-on commentary on the state of America, but the, the two factions that fight it out in the book in two different states do, to a degree, represent very contemporaneous American issues. Um, the story is starts in 1964. There's a christening party. It's at the beginning of the space age. Albert Cousins, a deputy district attorney, he's not invited. He arrives and he's got a bottle of gin with him. And that's his, sorry, I wasn't invited, but here I am and here's my bottle of gin. And he has an affair with the mother and families separate and they marry and intermarry, and they get on and they fight in the two different parts of America where they live. And they come together sometimes, and sometimes those comings together are harmonious, and often they are not. The, her ability in this book 
to avoid cliché is extraordinary because families at each other's throats and the difficulties of step-siblingness and all of those things are well-traveled tropes in literary fiction. But she handles them with such insight and perfection. There is not a cliché. She bends every expectation you have. Every time you think she's on a straight and predictable road, she turns a corner into a new and exciting character environment. Um, It's one of the best books I've read about siblings and siblings trying to get on and sometimes achieving that and sometimes not. Highly recommended Anne Patchett's Commonwealth, available in paperback. The New York Times says in the shout on the front page, expect miracles when you read Anne Patchett's fiction. And this one is almost miraculous in its wondrousness. And then the nonfiction book is called The Penguin Lessons, a true story by Tom Mitchell. And it's charming. It's it's um, it's quite. It's published by Penguin, by the way. <laughs> Couldn't be published by anybody else, could it? It's published by Penguin, a Penguin story, and it uh, it's uh, it's a, a memoir of Tom Mitchell, who arrives in Argentina in the 1970s to teach at a boys' boarding school. He describes himself as a country boy from the gentle downs of rural Sussex, and he comes into Argentina, where Isabel Perón is in charge and there is the threat of a military coup but it's not that kind of oh my goodness stranger in a strange country under military threat and uh, bring britishness to understand argentina it is about a penguin that he finds he's on holiday he's in um, in uruguay he's at punta del este in uruguay and he finds a penguin an oil-soaked penguin on the beach he sees just this one penguin alive. This is, we've had penguin spills here, oil spills affecting penguins. It's a scene of devastation, and there are hundreds of birds lying dead in the sand, as he says, from the high watermark to the sea and stretching far away along the shore to the north. And quixotically, he decides that he is going to save this one bird, starfish principle. I can't save all of the penguins, but I can save this one. So he manages to transport it back to the flat where he's staying. And he writes, I couldn't dream up a more unsuitable place for cleaning a tar-sodden penguin. And he immobilizes it, sharp beaks, and sets to work with butter and margarine, olive oil and cooking oil, soap, shampoo, and detergent. He cleans the penguin successfully, and it kind of, I don't know, attaches to him. It won't leave him alone. He tries to return it to the sea. He wants to, you know, here, go back, fish. Live, find another penguin to mate with. But the penguin won't leave him alone. So he's in his 20s, and men in their 20s do crazy things. So he decides to take it with him over the border and back to the school in Argentina. Um, Everybody names the penguin Juan Salvador. That's Spanish for Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And it becomes the school mascot. Everybody loves it. It watches rugby matches. Sits there on the sideline of the rugby field watching the rugby matches. It swims in the school pool. Pupils, teachers, families visiting their children absolutely love it. And he wonders, I mean, he has the philosophy of it, he wonders that how it was that, quote, a penguin brought such comfort and tranquility to the people whose lives he touched. And there are lovely sketches in it, lovely images of it. It's funny. He takes it back to Argentina. He decides, no, it's got to go back into the sea from whence it came. And uh, he's got penguin guano stinking up the bus on which they are riding. And he's trying to pretend that he's got nothing on him when he's going through the Argentinian customs coast and so on. 
But the customs officer, when he hears the penguin squawk, isn't about to listen to the finer points of habeas corpus for penguins. He sometimes gets a little over dramatic, you know, goodbye little bird, henceforth may your path be untrammeled and untroubled. But it is a wonderfully warm and amusing and endearing story about a really loved bird. And I'm sure it's going to, you know, there are lots of people who love reading books about animals, and this is one that they and others who might not number that amongst their favorite genres will also enjoy. It's Tom Mitchell, M-I-C-H-E-L-L, The Penguin Lessons, A True Story, published by Penguin.